My message is the light shines in the dark. Turn to somebody real quick and tell them the light shines in the dark. If you have your Bible, turn with with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And this is really my my anchor verse for this evening. John chapter 1. For all of you students, if you got it, say amen. You do know we can't do life without God's word. Amen. God's word is the GPS to your life. Without his word, we're lost. And so I said it from the beginning. It is critical, essential that you be the generation that leans in close to God's word. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, say amen if you got it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to say it again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to praise God. I'm glad that you get excited about the word, because I'm excited about God's word. But I need to kind of unpack that, and I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 16, which is an incredible story about what it looks like when the light shines in the darkness. Um, But before I go there, you know, I told you this morning I was working with Nikki Cruz, and um, many years ago we were in the Bronx. Anybody know anything about the Bronx? Um, And in this particular time in the Bronx... It was very dark, a real dark setting. Um, And so we would come out and we set up speakers and music and dance and we would tell people about Jesus with the music. And so we came to this particular area in the Bronx and they said to us, you need to be careful. This is not a good area. It's a dark area. All right, no problem. We're here to declare Jesus. And they said, no, 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 no. You need to understand this whole area in the Bronx has witchcraft going on. Santeria, voodoo. There there are witches and warlocks all in this area. I said, that's okay because the light shines in the dark. We're good. And so I brought the whole team together. Oh, thank you so much. I brought the whole team together and I said, hey, listen, I just found out that there's a lot of witchcraft in this area. Are we good? Are we still going to represent Jesus even in this dark moment? Everyone was like, yes, yes, because the light shines in the dark. And so we, we had set up our speakers, set up our sound, and the music was starting to play. And then all of a sudden, some kid comes running up to me and some of the leaders and, and, and said, listen, You have no idea what's going on right now. While you all are trying to do your music, there are witches and warlocks that are circling the block around you. I said, that's okay. They can do all of the marching and parading they want. Because greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. And sure enough, we can spot them walking around, chanting, calling out on Satan and, and demons to disrupt what we were doing. But we kept lifting up the name of Jesus in every song. We continue to share our testimony because we shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If you want to overcome darkness, you better talk about Jesus. And so in that moment, man, we are, we are pouring out. We're sharing our heart through song and testimony. And at the end of it, I preached Jesus, man. I just told him, we have a Savior. He went to the cross, and he died for all of our sins so that you and I might have life. Anybody want Jesus tonight? And let me tell you some people just started to come forward to receive Jesus in this very, very dark block because the light overcomes the darkness. Well... A couple of years later, I was at home with my wife and my mother-in-law, who didn't, she, she lived pretty close to me, and she used to travel with me and my wife and Nikki Cruz in this outreach. She calls me and goes, I need to bring somebody to your house right now. I said, okay, no problem. No, no. She said, you need to hear this. I said, all right. She, she shows up to the house 10 minutes. And she comes in with the, with the man, this guy, and, and his name was Johnny. And um, he comes into the house. He's already got tears in his eyes. This is two years later. I said, hey, what's up? My name's David. He said, oh, I'm Johnny. He said, can I sit down and tell you a story? I said, yeah, sure, no problem. He said, do you remember two years ago when you came to the Bronx with the music group and with that evangelist, Nikki Cruz? I said, oh, yeah, no, I remember that. Um, there was just a whole lot of darkness in that area. He said, yeah, I, yeah, that darkness had a lot to do with me. I said, what? And I said, please explain. He said, two years ago, I was deep in Santeria. I was deep in witchcraft. And two years ago, I ran that block that you all came to. When you all showed up and started setting up your speakers and your lights, and I saw that this was something that was opposing to what I believed in, I sent all of my witches and warlocks out on the street to start marching around you. And I was watching you all from my apartment building, calling on Satan, because that was the only power that I knew. Coming and growing and living a life growing up in Santeria. And I watched out of my window while you all continue to declare Jesus Christ. And he said, and God met me in my apartment. I saw a clear vision. He said this. He said, when I was chanting back and forth in my apartment, trying to figure out why my power was not able to stop you, I began to see a wall of fire around your group. I knew then that it was not the fire I was calling on. It was the fire of God's spirit surrounding you and protecting you. He said, I knew right then and there that there was a power greater than any other. I he said, I wrestled with that for days and weeks trying to understand 
How in the world have I been deceived to think that this world and Satan had the power to keep me? I fell to my knees and I cried out to the living God. I cried out to Jesus. He came and he met me and he set me free and he delivered me. Now I travel all over the world and I tell people about Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. I tell them about a power greater than any other. This guy's name is Johnny Ramirez. Johnny Ramirez is still traveling the globe telling people about Jesus Christ and exposing the devil's lies, trying to disrupt your calling and your purpose. And I want you to completely understand that the power that's been given to you, the light of Christ, is a power that you and I have been called into to bear witness of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that on that day I said yes to the king. I'm so glad I knew that day that the light shines in the dark and the dark can't overcome the light. Right now, your generation is in a very dark time. You're coming up in a very dark time. And you got to know what power source you're tapping into and who your God is. Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. If you got to say amen. This is, this is the Apostle Paul and, and, and this young man named Silas. And in verse 16, it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. I'm about to explain that. And, and, and this young girl brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling, reading palms. And Paul and Silas show up. And they're about to disrupt everything because the light of Christ disrupts things. Divination is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future, of the unknown by some type of supernatural means. And, and, and so this little girl was walking around attempting to tell people's future but she was not operating in the power of God. It was demonic strongholds that was leading this young girl, this spirit of divination. I got to keep it real with you, especially with my kids in my home and them coming home and telling me the stories of stuff that their, their friends are getting into, horoscopes and Tarot card readings, and witchcraft, new age, a generation that feels like, hey, as long as you can reach for some type of higher being, you're good. Well, this is a generation, a young generation today who have welcomed the spirit of divination, but not you, not tonight. Not you, Elam. You know who you are. Sons and daughters of the living God. 
walking in the light of Christ Jesus. But here's a little girl who reflects what it looks like as a young generation to explore anything and everything that allows you to kind of drift away from your problems. A generation today where almost anything goes and for you to oppose that anything is disrespectful. It's the concept and the idea where, hey, you go and pursue your higher being, I'm going to go pursue my higher being. And it's a, a generation where we make idols out of everything. And we worship these idols. You want to know one of those idols that we worship? This right here. Your generation. And not just Gen Z. Millennials. Not just millennials. Gen X. Not just Gen X. I even know boomers who can't get their head out of their phone. Because we depend on this to determine our future. Many of us depend on this to determine the mood that I'm going to be in today. Many of us depend on this to determine my worth and my value. If this as a source of satisfaction has not given me enough it changes the course of my direction all in a day. It's become an idol. This right here has become a spirit of divination. Hoping that it would foretell some sense of gratification in my day. Depending on what TikTok I watch. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Christianity has been watered down because of the idols that we hold on to. Finding our source of satisfaction in the things of this world for personal gain, for a moment's satisfaction to fulfill our fleshly desires and the lust of our flesh continues to create separation between us and our purpose, our God-given purpose. And so I need you to understand that the spirit of divination has no power against the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Hey, Verse 17, look at it. This gets very interesting. This little girl starts to follow Paul, and she's crying out, Ah, these men are servants of the Most High, of Most High God. They proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. And then Paul gets greatly annoyed. Everybody say, greatly annoyed. And he turns and he says, Here's what it says in verse 18. He says to the spirit, not talking to the little girl. He's talking to the spirit. 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Paul was greatly annoyed, not with the little girl. He was greatly annoyed with the evil spirit. I don't know, but I feel like somebody needs to start getting greatly annoyed with darkness. Somebody needs to start getting greatly annoyed with deception. Somebody needs to start getting greatly annoyed with the lies that are spinning around your generation, creating confusion, creating identity confusion. Somebody needs to get greatly annoyed and disrupt some things. My associate pastor at Soul Cry Church, his name is Danny Sanabria. He's been a youth pastor for years in New York City. But in 2008, he was a youth pastor in Brooklyn. He had maybe, maybe less than this group right here. Shout out to you all. So good to see you, by the way. In 2008, the atheist came out with a campaign in New York City running across all five boroughs. In 2008, the atheist created this campaign, Dr. Fred. It said, one million New Yorkers are fine without God. Are you one? With a question mark. It was everywhere. One million New Yorkers are fine without God. Are you one? And my friend, associate pastor Danny Sanabria, at the time was in Brooklyn pastoring. And three of his student leaders coming home saw it on the billboard and they called Pastor Danny and said, did you see that? He was like, what? I didn't see it yet. There's a billboard that says one million New Yorkers are fine without God. Are you one? He was like, wow, that's crazy. And his, two, his three student teenagers said, no, it's offensive. He was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And they were like, we need to make some noise. He said, hold on, hold on. Take it easy. Take it easy. And Pastor Danny said, listen, before you make any move, we pray. He said, why don't you start a prayer meeting? And so they added an extra day in their week. Three teenagers got together and started praying once a week because they were greatly annoyed with darkness. And they weren't the smartest. They didn't have all their doctrine and theology right. But the one thing that they knew was the light shines in the dark. So they started to pray. If we're going to establish any initiative, any new strategy, any new efforts to advance the gospel, it begins in prayer. So begin to pray. Three teenagers. After a couple of weeks, Next, you know, there's like 10 teenagers praying, 15, 20 teenagers praying. Well, you know, this was 2008, so, you know, there's no TikTok back then. I, I, the, you know, the gram was still kind of like still sorting itself out. In 2008, those were millennials, so that was Facebook, all right? So bear with me. So these kids get on Facebook, start a Facebook page. As they were praying, they felt like the statement to respond to what they saw, what they were so greatly annoyed with was God belongs 
in my city. And they began to pray it, and they began to declare it. God belongs in my city. God belongs in my city. God belongs in my city. And then as they began to pray, the Lord revealed to them in their prayer time under their leadership with Pastor Danny. And they said, we want to gather in Central Park and pray. Pastor Danny said, okay, keep praying about it. Put it out on Facebook. Let's see what happens. Well, in 2008, on the last Saturday of October, 1,500 teenagers showed up in Central Park all wearing the same t-shirt. It said, God belongs in my city. Listen. Teenagers. Teenagers did this. It started with three teenagers on a Saturday morning. What? What teenager gets up on a Saturday morning? Unless his mama's making bacon. 1,500 teenagers. They got the t-shirt done. They're all wearing this t-shirt that said, God belongs in my city. You see, when you pray and when you're greatly annoyed, there becomes something that stirs in the kingdom of God. And he will enlist you to do something that will shift your generation. 1,500 teenagers. Here's what happened. 2008, they're all in Central Park. They're like, well, what do we do now? The prayer time's been great. This is what happened. They didn't want to stop praying. So they decided to walk from Central Park all the way to the Lower East Side. They passed Times Square, Midtown, all the way to Battery Park. What? Let me tell you something. That walk is long in New York City. They get all the way to Penn Station, and 1,500 teenagers in Penn Station. If you've ever been to Penn Station, that's a madhouse. We're talking thousands of people moving around. Could you imagine in New York City, 1,500 teenagers collapse in this one central station in New York City, get down on their knees and begin to pray. Their act of obedience in a moment when they were greatly annoyed created a kingdom ripple effect all throughout New York City. That by 2009, you ready? 2009, because I was there. That was the year I showed up. 2009. 5,000 teenagers showed up to pray on the last Saturday of October. By 2010, 7,000, 2011, and it continued to grow. By this point, the globe was calling Pastor Danny saying, how do I get my teenagers to pray? Pastor Danny was like, they got to be greatly annoyed, bro. They got to get to that place where they are desperate to make a change. They got to get to that place where they know who they are made in the image of God. And when darkness opposes their God, they rise up. But it begins with you and I understanding who you are made in the image of God and knowing the power that you have. Man, look, look at this. Look. 
Look. Verse 19. Say amen. You got it? When the owners saw that their hope was, was, of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said this. These men are disturbing the city. The gospel will disturb the city every time. And Paul and Silas, in this moment, had done something supernatural, dismantling the demonic strongholds in the city. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus to overcome all evil and darkness. And when the light of Christ is in you, your community will change. When you're walking in that power, when you're walking in that authority. Now listen, it gets rough. There's always a struggle. Verse 21, now they're facing the court. And they're saying they, uh, these guys, they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans accept the practice. And then the crowd joins in and attacks them. And they tore the garments off them. I mean, here they are just going about their business, and now they're being persecuted. They were inflicted with many blows. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe. They put them in the inner prison. Fastened their feet with chains. They did everything humanly possible to prevent the furtherance of the gospel. But the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's what Jesus said. Paul and Silas were simply on their way to pray. They didn't ask for this trouble. This is gruesome, this picture that we get. It's painful. It's suffering but it would all be for the glory of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Hey, you're going to face trials. I wish I could paint a pretty picture. But you're going to go through some things. But it's all for his glory. And he's going to see you through. And in the struggle, God's going to give you strength to overcome. And about midnight, verse 25, here's where it gets real good. It was midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. The scripture goes on to say, and suddenly there was an earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I'm getting ready to talk about this in a second. And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, Stay with me on this. Pay attention. Everybody look at this because we're going to go back. We're going to unpack this. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, 
he drew his sword and he was about to commit suicide because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. Everybody remember that. The jailer called for lights. Turn to your neighbor real quick and look at him like you know what I'm talking about and tell him the jailer called for lights and rushed in. Good. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, sirs, what do I got to do to be saved? And they said this, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Bear with me for just a few minutes while I talk about this incredible moment and how it pertains to your life when you are walking in the light of Christ, when you know who you are, walking in his power and in his authority. So that in those moments when you're going through struggles and when you're feeling persecuted, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling anxious about life, when you're feeling depressed, Dr. Fred, he prayed over you earlier. I, don't, I can't even remember now. It was last night or this morning. But there was, there was a, such a move of God's spirit when you were praying about depression because your, your generation is being bombarded with so much stuff. You're constantly trying to consume everything that the world's giving you, and yet you still find yourself isolated. And in that isolation, you feel depressed. Now, you want to talk about isolation? Paul and Silas, shackled in an inner prison, chained. I can imagine that young student Silas like, wow, Paul, I wasn't expecting all of this. We were just supposed to go to the house and pray. Why are we shackled right now? Why am I so bruised and beat up? Why are we sitting here in the dark? I feel lost. And then in that midnight hour, Paul, I imagine, looked at Silas and said, let's pray. Let's pray. And let's sing some songs, too. Let's sing some hymns. Let me tell you something. Your playlist is a reflection of your prayer life. I'm going to say that again. Your playlist is a reflection of your prayer life. The more you pray, the more intentional you are about your playlist. The more you seek the face of God, the more you understand who you are walking in his power, changes what you are absorbing musically. And I love this moment because it can't be just about singing some songs. Somebody's got to pray around here. This is why this this is so amazing to me to have this prayer week. And so here they are, chained, shackled, barely move. They're bruised. They didn't get any medical care. They were thrown in an inner prison. Ribs are busted. Chained in front. They're down on their knees. It's so uncomfortable. They need medical care. But the chief physician is about to meet them in that dark moment. Why? Because the light shines in the dark. And so they begin to pray. 
And they begin to sing hymns. They begin to pray. I'd like to believe they just begin to glorify Jesus. Even when it doesn't look pretty, are you still willing to glorify Jesus? Even when you don't see the way out, are you still going to lift up the name of Jesus? Even when it seems like everything is falling apart, are you going to lift up the name of Jesus? In the inner prison of your own mind, lift up the name of Jesus. In the inner prison of your own insecurity, lift up the name of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that while they prayed and while they sang hymns, the prisoners were listening. The prisoners were listening. Listen to me. People who don't know your God, they don't care that you're sitting up here on the hill getting your worship on. They lean in close when you're going through your inner prison. It's when you go home. It's during the summer when you're stressing about what's next, when you're battling with your own isolation. When you're having struggles with your own anger problems and your own fears. It's when you're in your darkest hour that people lean in close to see how you're going to react. And what are they going to find when you and I are in our own inner prison? Are they going to see us pouting, doubting, fearful? Or are they going to see a generation that rises up in the dark and declares Jesus to be God and stand firm in faith and know that this is not the end of my story? The light shines in the dark. So just go ahead and get your praise on. Because when you and I are going through our stuff and we continue to give God the glory, heaven gets really excited. And all of a sudden, the ground starts to shake and the chains fall off. Hey, worship has to be your weapon of choice. If you want to see the chains of depression fall off, worship Jesus. If you want to fight forward and overcome anxiety, give God praise. Even when in the natural, it feels pointless. But you don't worship God based on your feelings. You worship God because your faith tells you so. The chains fell off. The ground was shaking. The prison doors swung wide open. In my mind, when the prison doors open, it's time to go. But something else happened. This is why I said pay close attention. The jailer woke up. Now, I don't know what room he was in, but he definitely wasn't in the room where Paul and Silas were. Stay with me. The Bible says that the jailer woke up and the only thing he saw in the dark or maybe feeling around was the prison doors were open. 
So he thought, I failed. Knowing at that particular time that once his boss found out that all the prisoners escaped, he was going to be killed. So he decided because of my failure, I'm just going to kill myself. He was ready to give up. The jailer, the guy who put Paul and Silas in chains, the guy who ordered their beating, he's now in the dark. He draws his sword, and all of a sudden, from another room, Paul cries out, don't kill yourself. Wait a second. If the jailer couldn't see where anybody was, then how in the world did Paul see that the jailer was about to kill himself, Dr. Fred? Y'all can fact check me right now. This is why I took time to read it. My dad and mama, they're my theologians in my life. Hi, dad, hi, mom. <laughs> Paul and the prisoners were in another room. Paul cries out in the dark to the jailer, don't kill yourself. Well, how do we really know that Paul was able to see the jailer in, in just from some supernatural way? Maybe he saw him. No, he didn't see him. You want to know why? Because when he heard Paul's voice, what was the first thing that the jailer said? Somebody give me light. Remember I had you say that? He said, somebody give me light because the jailer still couldn't see that Paul and the prisoners were still chilling in the other room. Well, why didn't any of the prisoners run out when the doors were open? Because if it were me in the inner prison, I would have been like, deuces, I'm going home. Can't wait to get a home-cooked meal. But here's what we get in that moment. The prisoners had received the light of Christ. Paul said, don't kill yourself. What did he say? He said, we're all here. Nobody left. Why? Because when light shines in the dark, we occupy the ground wherever we go. It becomes holy ground. The prisoners didn't need to run out to experience freedom because freedom had been experienced right there in the dark. The chains had fallen off. But more importantly, they'd experienced the freedom of Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon them. He said, Paul said, no, we're, we're all here. We're all here. And what happened in the dark was supernatural. We talked about it this morning, but we get it in Scripture tonight. Paul, Paul was given a kingdom perspective, the lens of God's grace, the lens of God's mercy, the lens of God's love says, no, there's still one more in the prison that needs to know that I love them. Yes, Paul, the one that put you in chains, 
Because I don't know if I could have done what the Apostle Paul did. Even if the Lord had given me that incredible divine revelation, I would have been like, that man beat me down. He can cut his throat all he wants to. But no, not when the light of Christ Jesus dwells inside of you. God gives us a kingdom perspective of grace and forgiveness. kingdom perspective gives you this constant beautiful revelation to the gift of the Holy Spirit to know that as Christ forgave you you must forgive others don't kill yourself we're all here every prisoner the prayer time's still going on the hymns are still going he says give me light He's the only one in the prison at that moment that needs light because the rest of them brothers have the light of Christ Jesus shining on them. Nobody else asked for light but the jailer because he didn't get it yet. I don't even know how he slept through that whole thing. That one I can't answer for you. He comes in. He says, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) And there in that moment, is an opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to one more because every soul matters to our Heavenly Father. And God will take Paul and Silas through this extremely long journey of pain, suffering, prison, and chains, To get to one soul? Hey, your heavenly father is very intentional about your life. He doesn't miss steps. He orders steps. It's very intentional about you walking in your purpose, knowing who you are, despite what it looks like whether you're walking up the street to go to a prayer meeting or whether you find yourself in an inner prison, God wants to reveal his marvelous light to you so that you would know who Christ is as your Savior. But you got to know without a doubt. You got to know his voice. You got to know what it looks like to devote time to prayer. Could you not but watch with me one hour, Peter? Don't forget that. To whoever was playing on the keys tonight, could you come up, please? I'm almost done. I pray that you be the generation that knows the voice of the Lord. I pray that you be the generation that knows that the light of Christ has been given to you to shine, to overcome, every challenge, every struggle so that you would finish this race, so that you would run the race well. Hey, listen, I'll I'll end with this story. My 18-year-old, Zaina, I love her. Her name means strong one, and that she is. Lord Jesus, pray for me. But she's my princess. But Zaina, 
Zana ran track and field for a little bit of time in middle school. And um, the first thing she started out with when they introduced her to track and field, eventually she became really good at throwing a shot put. And she threw shot put and she was a varsity cheerleader through high school. But in middle school, they decided to try her out with the four by 100 relay. Anybody do, anybody run track and field? Hands high, because y'all see, y'all know what I'm talking about. Four by 100, it's just four, four people sprinting. And uh, it's one time around the track, and so every, every, every 100, you pass the baton. And, um, and so she'd been training, and it was her first track meet. It's a home track meet. I'm super excited. I love sports. I always get excited. Um, I, was, I was always excited when my kids played sports. So my wife and I come into the track and field, and she starts making her way up the bleachers into the, this, the little stadium. And I was like, where are you going? I'm going to stay right here. She's like, you're not going, you're not going to embarrass your girl today. Get up here, get, get up here to stay. All right, all right, fine, 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 fine. Of course, I, 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 didn't, I didn't sit down. Man, I, I stood the whole time and watching them peering over. And I noticed that she's like, uh, she's first leg, she's first one. So, but she's like in like, like lane five or six. And so it almost feels like, you know, they straddle and almost like she has the lead already. So I'm there. I'm saying to my wife, she, she, she can't hear me from here. My wife's like, she doesn't need to hear you. All right, just no embarrassing things today. All right, all right, all right. Go, Zena. Sorry, sorry. Go! All right. The gun goes off. My girl takes off, man. She's pumping her arms, pumping her arms. And I'm getting excited. Now I'm just kind of like, Zena, go, go, come on, come on. Like that. She's pumping her arms. She's coming around that bend. You know, that first bend is really hard. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, that's a tough, that's a tough one on that first one. And so she's leading. And I notice that she's really nervous. And I see her look over to her left and to her right to see who's catching up with her as she's running. And the moment she looked to her left and her right, I noticed that she had faltered in her stride. Her stride changed when she looked left and right. And just as the moment as she looked left and right and she's trying to come around that bend, them girls blew right by her in that moment. She came in last and passed that baton. And I saw her, her whole body language, her whole posture was completely in this position of defeat. And I looked at my wife that day. She could tell you. And I said, next track meet, I'm going to be right down there on the ground up against that fence. That fence right where she come around the bend. I said, she was like, Tyra was like, oh, Lord Jesus. I picked up my girl after that track meet. I said, listen, your next track meet, I'm going to be right there with you. I said, and when I'm going to be down there, right there on that track meet, I said, all you need to do is listen to my voice. You're going to run this race. You're going to come around that bend and you listen to my voice. And I'm telling you, you keep your stride. You focus ahead. Don't you worry about them girls on your left and your right. Sure enough, that next home track meet came. My wife was heading up to the bleachers. I said, you go up to the bleachers by yourself. <laughs> and I came down right there and I parked myself right there up against that fence. Yes, she was slightly embarrassed. But the father is never embarrassed for his child. The father never gets embarrassed about you. The father never gets embarrassed about you. 
once he's back in the same lane. All right, Jaina. All right. Listen to my voice. She's like, okay, okay, dad. Zayna, no, 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 I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Focus on my voice. That gun goes off. There goes my girl pumping the off. Zayna, Zayna, pump, pump, pump. Zayna, pump. No, no, don't look left. Don't look right. And I am, I am giving her a complete coaching moment. And that directive continued to come and come at her. Zayna, 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 pump. No, don't look. Don't look. And my girl came around that bend. She never looked to her left. She never looked to her right. She kept her stride. Kept going. Trusting the father's voice. Do you know my girl came around that bend? Slapped that baton in that girl's hand. She was the first to slap a baton and that girl took off down that straightaway. That girl passed the baton and next, that team, them girls came in first place on that track meet. That's what I'm talking about, Zayna. Your heavenly father would say to you tonight, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Listen to my voice. Trust my word. Trust my word for you. Trust my word. I'm going to help you. You're going to make it. I know they're coming up behind you. I know that anxiety can start to kick in. I know that feeling of defeat can start to feel overwhelming. I know in that moment when you're trying to hold your stride, you can suddenly feel like you're not good enough. I know sometimes people here on this earth have spoken the wrong things over your life. I know it. I know that some of you might be still dealing with those who have said to you, You'll never come in first. You'll never be fast enough. You'll never be able to keep up. Look at the mess you've already done. Your mom's still getting over what you did five years ago. Those little statements that a a father and a mother could sometimes make. Or a sibling who has done nothing but laugh at you. And every time you've tried to prove your worth, they're still looking down on you. And maybe you've been in a dark place because of words, because of people's actions, or maybe because you haven't received anything that represents love or care or kindness. The Lord wants to meet you in your inner prison. Right now, we're going to pray. Let's start there. Would you stand up with me? This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to watch the chains fall off. That's what we're going to do. We're going to shake the chains off today. Chains of depression. The chains of anxiety. Can I be transparent with you? And then I'm, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Trust the Holy Spirit. 
to meet you. And the light's going to shine in your dark moment. My oldest, he struggles with anxiety. Just anxious. Not quite sure if he's doing the right thing. Am I going to graduate on on time? Am I good enough as a creative? And sometimes he could just be overwhelmed in his head. I always try to encourage him. Mama's the best. Because in those moments where he feels like he's in a dark place and he's in his room, (laughs) I love how my wife will go into his room and she'll disrupt that spirit of anxiety and she'll climb in his bed. Wrap her arms around him. And pray over him. And she'll pray and pray and declare him to be a son of the living God. My 18-year-old, she struggles with anger. She lost her grandmother on my wife's side in 2021. And she's been wrestling with anger. She can't understand why God would take away somebody who she loves and who's loved her. And so she has this this, this anger inside. It's this constant battle. It's this fight. It's this war within her. My 13-year-old just kind of struggles with, my 13-year-old, she struggles with insecurity. Sometimes she's not quite sure if she's pretty enough, cool enough, or attractive enough. You know why I'm comfortable telling you this? I'm okay telling you this because I know that their struggles are not the end of their story. Their story will end in victory. And so will yours. And so will yours. So let's take time. Let's come before the Lord. I don't need to say anything else. Let's watch the chains fall off. Let the light now shine. Let the light shine. Let the light shine in the darkest places of your heart, in the darkest places of your mind. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. Let the light shine.